Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NBA center Ryan Hollins. Shot blocked by Ryan Hollins. Hollins sent that into the third row. Six rebounds and eight assists. Hollins climbs the stairs. Down the floor. Ryan Hollins, he is the high jumper. That's what I want to see. Give me some gunpowder and throw the hammer down. And now, here is your host, Let's send it over to Rick Buker. Rick Buker. Welcome to another episode of Buker and Hollins, subsidiary of Buker and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. I'm Rick Buker. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report. You can hear me on Radio.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buker and on uh, Instagram at Rick underscore Buker. He is Ryan Hollins, NBA vet. You can see him on a variety of ESPN platforms. You can follow him on Twitter at the Ryan Hollins and on Instagram at Ryan Hollins. All right. So uh, coming into oh about a week or so ago, I was on FS1 with Colin Cowherd, and he asked me, "Was I? How did I? What did I think of this, the Lakers start?" And I said I was impressed, and I thought it was a reflection of LeBron James's ability to bring a team quickly together, develop chemistry, etc. Well, Ryan, that ability to maintain chemistry is going to be tested now <laughs> because there are reports out there based on some social media activity by a guy named Clint Parks who is being identified as a guy who has trained both Kawhi Leonard and, uh, and Kyle Kuzma. And uh, Clint put out on social media, watching Ka- Ka- Kawhi highlights from yesterday, nobody wants to speak on how sharp his skill set is compared to LeBron's. It's clear who's really in the lab and who isn't. Let me hear the excuses. I'm on vacation. I got nothing. Now, that would be enough to make things interesting and to raise some questions, particularly two coups the next time he's facing the media but Kuz tweeted out and I, it's hard to determine exactly if this is connected directly to that statement how the two are associated but Kuz puts out a tweet that appears to ref, to refer to the statement by this trainer that says call a spade a spade whoo now Rick he deleted the statement. He deleted the tweet. 
So if it didn't have anything to do with it, why would he delete it? It's a fair question. I don't know. Do you? Because he was referring to what his trainer had said. He had replied <sighs> directly to what his trainer had said. I I mean, that's the assumption. Well, we'll I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt until he actually has to face the media and he's I'm sure he's going to be asked about this and we'll see what his response is yeah it's hard to hard to interpret it any other way but before we get to like what could come out of this what do you make of this because I'll tell you I the way LeBron has looked from the beginning of the season I thought that for his age at 34 I thought there was an awful lot of bounce in his step and prior to him getting the groin injury about a week ago and then clearly re-injuring it in this Clippers game. And I, I, I was astonished that nobody was mentioning it in the broadcast. Down the stretch, he clearly could not go. He couldn't, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't hit the gas. He was driving into the paint, realizing he could not get a step. He could not go even just barrel into somebody. And was kicking it. And there was never a statement that, like, do you, I mean, look, LeBron plays passive at times. But this was clearly, he was not right. And so, I, I just, this idea that LeBron doesn't train. Like, I, I look, I know that there's, there's guys that train to look good. They don't necessarily train basketball. They train conditioning-wise. They look good. They, they work out. But the way LeBron was playing at the beginning of the year, I wouldn't have put him in that category. Yeah, you're right, Rick. Uh, LeBron has improved every single year while he's in the league. Um, I did bring this up. I was doing radio with Jason McIntyre. I was talking with Jason. I said, the problem with LeBron right now in the Lakers, LeBron doesn't have a go-to move. Mm-hmm. When there's, you know, you're down one, and you got to get a two, or you're down three, and you got to get a three, whatever it is, LeBron doesn't have a go-to move. Kawhi Leonard has a go-to move. Anthony Davis does not have a go-to move. When you're playing against a guy just as athletic, just as tall, just as just as big, just as quick and intelligent, what are you going to do so that you can get your shot off? I played with guys like Paul Pierce. Paul could get his shot off against anybody. Paul is a sneakier athlete than people give him credit for, but he's not the greatest athlete. Right. And he's 6'8", and he knows how to use what he has. LeBron James catches the ball on the wing with Patrick Beverly on him. And in a perfect world, Rick, forgive me if I'm wrong, that would be the ideal. It's not Kawhi Leonard. It's not Paul George. This is the, the matchup we would love. Mm-hmm. You're the best player on the planet. You got Patrick Beverly on you, who's a formidable defender, but he has physical limitations, to sure. say the least. He's six and Le- six two, and LeBron didn't know what to do. He doesn't have a go to move. So now that this trainer posts such an aggressive tweet, <laughs> Kuzma seconds it. From a truthful standpoint, those are things that me and you can say. Mm-hmm. From a guy who's been in the locker room mm-hmm. and and been there and known about team chemistry and winning and all the little things you have to do. There's no way on God's green earth that you would say that about a teammate. There's no way, Rick. There's and, and here's the thing. 
I, I don't know what his explanation will be. I don't know if he's going to try to run for this or he's going to stand up to it. He's deleted the tweet. It doesn't really matter because the only thing, the only possible response for Kyle Kuzma in this situation is to say, that's my trainer. Don't connect that with me. I play with LeBron. LeBron's good to go. That's the only response you can have if you are not going to set the house on fire. That's the only response you can have in a situation like this. You can't go silent. You go silent, that speaks volumes. You say, call a spade a spade. Dude, you're taking the gas can out. You're running up and down the stairs, and then you're hitting it with a blowtorch. I I don't know that there's a way to come back from this. And let's face it, this the Lakers were exposed on Christmas Day. This was their opportunity. If anybody had more motivation between the two teams, it was clearly the Lakers. They had to make good on losing the season opener and defying the fact that their schedule has been so soft up to this point. This was their this was the statement game and the Clippers kind of messed around for a half and then put it together down the stretch. But there was never... The, the Clippers' level of confidence against the Lakers actually was kind of shocking to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, they they oh, yeah. said, we can go get this game whenever we want. Down by 15, doesn't phase us. Down the stretch, let's see. Like, it was just... It was easy for them. They felt that they had it in their pocket. And I, there's going to be people, I, I, and I've seen it, oh, well, the, the Lakers missed a bunch of wide-open threes, and look, they were taking threes because they couldn't get anything else. The Clippers were getting to the line because, quite simply, every one of their matchups, they could exploit. They could get, they could take a guy off the bounce. They weren't even, they were just, they were happy to play in a half-court set. The only thing the Lakers were going to get was something quick in transition. So, I thought it was, I thought it spoke volumes about the two teams, but even with that, okay, so you lose to the Clippers. It's still, it's December. It's Christmas. You got a whole season to kind of figure things out and see if you can make some moves, see what happens to the Clippers health-wise. But this, this is throwing a hand grenade in the middle of that locker room, Ryan. This is, I mean, Kuz is supposed to be arguably your third best player. It's not good. You know, Rick, you know, this reminds me of too a little bit, and I wonder if these are residuals. And this really hadn't been addressed. Outside of KCP, well, Kuz, Rondo, really the veterans, some of the veterans, McGee from last year, um, those young guys were completely off of LeBron. Yeah. And then yep. moving forward, they were traded the Ingrams, the Josh Hards, Lonzo. There is a divide, you know, Beasley, Lancey. There is a divide in the locker room. And it was hard not to see LeBron being a part of it. Those guys really, you know, felt some type of way. Sure. And I wonder if this is Kuzma, like kind of saying, like I, I, I'm just kind of here, but I don't buy, I don't buy this guy, I don't buy anything he says. You know, do you, do you think it's some of that? Well, here's the thing. Uh, what's shocking is, 
it has to be there has to be something deeper than this because the way LeBron has played up to this point and understanding that he was physically compromised and still continued to play in that Clippers game on Christmas Day. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I understand that he played the way that he played. If I understand that watching, certainly I would think that Kyle Kuzma would, right? So his reaction action this way suggests that there's some other stuff going on that Kuz is not good with. And, I mean, that's oh. the only explanation that I have. Is is it something? It's it. This is not a referendum on. Yeah, you know what? Our guy blinked when he had to face Kawhi Leonard straight up on Christmas Day. You you got to look at the extenuating circumstances and say, yeah, well, LeBron took a, a Pat Bev knee to the groin and clearly wasn't right. I'm I'm not going to fault him for the fact that he didn't go head to head with with Kawhi in this situation. So it says to me, there's there's. There's something more that's bothering Kuz for him to 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 uh, co-sign this statement by the trainer. You know, keep in keep in mind too. Kyle Kuzma's played two years in the NBA. Mm. He was arguably the best player uh, before LeBron, and you know the best of the young players once LeBron got there to LA on two very poor seasons. So Kyle Kuzma's really learned early in his NBA life how to be selfish, kind of look out for himself, not to look out for anybody else. He doesn't know how to win. He's never won in the NBA. Uh, and it's really been me, me, me. And he's got this sense of entitlement. And I even I, I said, man, let me take this a step further. Normally people would, would be going at him, and, you know, at him on Instagram or replying and everything. And he's so mouthy. He's literally so mouthy, Rick, that he's like he's taking jabs at people on on his Instagram, like kind of replying to trolls, replying to people. And he he just plays with fire, man. He's just very loose with the lips. And until you're out of L.A., it's almost, you know, it's funny. I don't want to say like LeVar Ball, but, you know, LeVar was just real arrogant, man. My son plays for the Lakers. What are you you guys going to tell me? Right. What are you guys going to tell me? I almost, I really get that vibe from Kuzma. I get that vibe from him, Rick. Well, the interesting part is Kuz also had a good scoring day Christmas. I I think he was the Lakers' leading scorer. I don't know how that factors into it, but he he had one of his better games of the season. Now I would hate to think that Kuz thinks, hey, man, I scored 25, I don't get enough shine, like, that's what this is about. Like I should have a bigger role on this team, and yeah. I've been, I've been in the back seat. I, I mean, it's 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 a little stunning to think that anybody would think that way. All things considered, but hey, Rick, I, I want to ask you this, Rick. He's making, I think, around two point one million. Mm. He's a big piece of why it's like kind of go time for a championship. He was a guy chosen. What do you do if you're Jeannie Buss? What do you do if you're Rob Palenka in this situation? How do you handle it? Because this isn't a tradable asset. This isn't Dwight Howard or Rondo or one of those other guys. This, is, yeah. this, isn't, this is not that type of asset. This guy is giving you the bang for the buck. It's how you build a championship. 
No, you're right. You're right. Kuzma's contract and what he's capable of giving you is something that the Lakers can ill afford to trade away because it's one of the good quality resources that they have. Yes. One of the few. And, uh, you know, I, I I have to tell you, I just... Let me pull up the exact... I was just looking at that the, the starting lineup, right? Uh, for the Christmas Day game when it comes to the Lakers. And people are talking... like, And I'm not saying you know it's just Lakers or Lakers fans. Like, There's people in the media who have actually talked about this team being a championship caliber team. And I... Let me read you this lineup. This is the starting lineup. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, JaVale McGee, uh, Avery Bradley, and Danny Green. Does that sound? What? Check this out, too, on a side note. Me and Jason brought this up as you talked about lineup. Later in the game, KCP was in at the end of the game rather than Kuzma. And we go, you know, was this a minutes restriction? Well, what was going on? And remember, KCP misses the big shot. Yeah. Do you think these are, you know, that was part of it? Keep in mind, KCP is a LeBron guy. Well, but KCP came in because Danny Green got into foul trouble. Danny Green picked up his fifth, and that's when KCP came in to close the game. So I don't, it, it, you know. Why not Kuzma, though? Kuzma aside, that's a fair question. But so so that's your starting five. And then you have Kuz, Dwight Howard, Rajon Rondo, and KCP, and Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso, I think, is actually a decent a decent player, but that's your that's your five off of the bench. Kuz, Dwight Howard, Rondo, KCP, and Alex Caruso. I'm sorry. There's nothing about either one of those units. That scares me if I'm the Los Angeles Clippers. Or maybe even a couple of the teams in the East. It's or or I just in general. There's that 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 does not scare me. It just does not. Am I am I missing something? And now some of this is, and once again, you know, when since LeBron James got the first injury and now they have to lean on Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis had to be the guy who carried the water. You suddenly saw the same Anthony Davis you saw in New Orleans. Mm. Gets numbers, and I'll say this: I'll say this about Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis. Don't tell me they're superstars. They get numbers themselves. They get great numbers themselves. A superstar in my mind is the guy who gets other guys' numbers. I need other guys to get numbers, and this is—is is this the? Yeah, I love this. My um, thank you, ESPN. ESPN.com now has this thing where they actually it, it their videos turn on after a period of time. They need to get those clicks. They need to get those numbers up. I'm like, I did not turn that video on. Do not turn that video on <laughs> while I'm doing my podcast. In any event, um, I mean, I just look. I I was amazed by how they came out of the gate. But I, I question, can Anthony Davis and LeBron James sustain this? And that was before this whole Kuzma thing came up. I mean, I hate to say it. This is getting ugly way sooner, faster than I ever imagined, particularly considering 
how they started out. It's it's shocking. Do you uh, is is there any? I, w- I want to get to some of the other things that happened on Christmas Day because again, win or lose, I wasn't going to make too much of this. In fact, even the Clippers showing that they're not the least bit intimidated by the Lakers is a little bit of a statement. It's still Christmas. We still got months to go. This Coos thing's a different thing. This thing is. Yeah. This has a chance of derailing them in a big way. It's like come come crawling back, or or you gotta go. And I'll be honest. The Lakers have been winning without him. Now you want to have, you need as much firepower as you can get, but you know, you, you throw a hissy fit after you lose it. Like it's Christmas Day. Yeah. Like this is really like, almost like day one of the season. You throw a hissy fit after that. Yeah. You you feel so entitled that you can talk now. It's it's stunning. It's stunning. Although on the other hand, I do have to say this too, and I, I because. I am fully defending LeBron when it comes to Clint Parks. Like, dude, what are you talking about? LeBron. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. LeBron has demonstrated that he put in the work. He got his body right. He came back with an amazing bounce in his step. And he was playing hard at both ends for a good stretch of this season. I think he's been measuring things for the last week and a half, two weeks, he's been doing his, and this is what bothers me. This brings me to my my point. LeBron has no grounds to stand on, I don't believe in load management. LeBron, you've load managed through the course of a game. You you determine from game to game whether you you really need to go all out to win this one or is it not worth it? And I've complimented him because it's why he's been able to sustain his run for as long yep. as he had. I give you that credit, but don't tell me that you're going out there playing every night like like it's your last game. I I mean, just don't don't try to sell me on things that you don't have the right to sell and that there's no need because I'm I'm good with how you've done it. No, hey man, you you couldn't be more right with that. And you know, when it comes when it comes to that, LeBron does it. He load manages it in two ways. It's on the defensive end or it's passing the ball. Oh, man, LeBron's leading the league in assists. Well, he's that good to do that. But when he goes to just get everybody else involved, he's smart enough to go, oh, I'm not really looking to score. Let me just say my energy. Now, I, I, I mean, we, we may name five guys who can do that, who can do that. And have the ability to score. There actually, there may be. I mean, Steph Curry, Kyrie, if he feels like I want a twenty assist, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. This is this is elite company we're talking about. But I agree two hundred percent. It's a form of load management. Mm-hmm. It is a form of load management. So while you kind of take a shot at Kawhi, it's like, dude, earlier you told us you didn't defend. 
Right. You know, you, right. you told Mark Davis, you said, Mark Davis, I play defense now. Well, it right. shows that you made a cognitive effort not to, and you're fully capable. Right. So it's a form of load, load management. I'm not right. giving you 110%. Right. right, right. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, that, that, that's why I just, I have an issue with some of the things that LeBron tries to sell us on. And I'm thinking, dude, you don't even need to do that. I I respect how you've approached things, but don't try to tell me something that I know that you're not. Because what you're trying to still win the comparison with Michael Jordan. I don't I don't know why. I don't know why yeah. he would go there, but certainly wasn't uh, called for. All right, there was a couple other games. There was actually only one other game that really mattered to me on Christmas Day, and that was Philly Milwaukee. Uh, the Toronto Boston game was so early. And it's Christmas Day, and it was in Toronto, and there was no juice in the building, and I just, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna give put too much on that, one way or the other. Although I will say, Jalen Brown, when he gets hot, brother, oh, oh my yeah. goodness, he just, he was hitting everything. I don't think he can do that consistently, but that's where, like his ability, his ability to get hot and his. He's got a little more of a quicker spring to his game than Jason Tatum does. Oh yeah. I like Jalen has the ability. I don't think he is or I don't think he can be, but I think he has the raw ability where he could be the better scorer of those two because he's I think he's more explosive. Uh and so that he can get you more going to the rim than than Jason Tatum necessarily can. Jason's got the better mid-range. He's just got a he sets up his shots better, but he takes he needs time to set them up. Jalen can can kind of as he demonstrated against the Raptors, like he can just he can score in bunches and he can score in a hurry. Uh but put that game aside. Philly, Milwaukee, the Sixers run the Bucks out. They expose Giannis. Am I am I am I not making too much of that? They exposed Giannis. Is that fair to say? Yeah, there's a degree to it, but yeah. And so, but again, I want to like Joel Embiid. I think Joel Embiid is the missing piece to making the league popular again, because he has the personality, yeah. he has the fearlessness, he 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 has the game. He has the swag, and he's obviously on a very good team. But after the game, he says, I just, I want to be defensive player of the year. And I'm thinking, all right, first of all, don't tell me, show me. And outdueling Giannis is a nice little feather. But that's not enough to say you're defensive player of the year. And I, I got, I don't know, maybe this, maybe I'm showing my age. Maybe this is the new generation. This is with Giannis hitting five of eight threes and putting the crown on his head in a regular season game on December, what was it, 19th? Yep. Uh, against the Lakers. And I'm like, can we do something a little bit more than just have one good game or one good performance and then say, look at me, I'm the best? It's I, I just 
Do it and let us crown you. Do it and let us vote you in as defensive player of the year. Stop giving me one performance and then acting like you've done something. I, I, I It's especially when you're talking about the best talents in the league right now. I mean, can you imagine the words coming out of Kobe Bryant's mouth or, or even, well, you don't hear too many words coming out of Kawhi Leonard's mouth. Certainly not Michael Jordan's. Yeah. I want to be defensive player of the year. Do you think you'd ever, no, you'd (laughs) ever hear them say that at any point during the season? Well, you know, in all fairness, he has said that before, but I, I don't think Joel realizes, like, this means you're hustling your tail off every single yes. night. Yes! This means your diet's correct. You're getting the proper amount of rest. You're doing you're doing all those little things that you, so that you can be, you know, the defensive stopper. It means you're showing out on pick and rolls, you know. You're Montrez Harrell. You're Bam Adebayo. Good call. Even the way AD's playing. I'll take what AD's doing right now. AD I'll is give you AD. hustling his butt off, man. I'll give you AD. I just, it kind of struck. I was like, Joel, like, I've watched enough of your games this year. There weren't times where I went, I mean, look, he can be good defensively. But there were also times where he's not rotating out. He's not, no. he's taking defensive plays off. I'm like, yeah. Now oh, yeah. you're telling me because of what you did against Giannis, you want to be defensive player of the year? That's a head scratcher for me. All right, so but here's the, here's my real here's my real issue. The Sixers go out and smoke the Bucks. They make a statement. And then as we're recording this, we're recording this after they lose to the Magic. And the Magic tried every which way to give the ball to give the game back to the Sixers. It was it was a one point game only because the Magic just completely tried to give it back and the Sixers just refused, refused to win the game. <laughs> but I, I'm sorry. You the statement of beating the Bucks and then losing to the Magic, a team that has its eye on the prize doesn't have letdowns like that. Not the way that the Sixers played. I just, it's, it's, you have to be better than that. It was disappointing because I, I want to, I, I want to see them take that step. And I, and I think you and I agree, like the Bucks are a great regular season team. Yep. Giannis, Giannis can shoot all the threes he wants until he gets a game where he can operate below the free throw line and he can hit a mid range. If you, if you play him one-on-one, they're going to be handicapped. Yeah, and, you know, Giannis has to realize also if there are moments where you take threes, which we don't mind, you got to do it at the right time because for that offense, it's the worst shot. Why do I say that? Your center, Brooke Lopez, is standing out at 27 feet away from the basket. So now, Giannis, when you shoot threes, there are five guys on the perimeter, and you're starting the fast break with no one in the offensive rebound, no one in to clean up those misses. It's a big difference when he goes and takes those shots. So if you're Giannis, yes, that's something you have to develop, but 
Bud is going to actually have to run something to put it in the system because Philadelphia, dude, you were you were starting a fast break. You were just spotting their team every time he took a three-point shot. Uh, and also, I like what you said. It doesn't have to be a three. It can be a mid-range. You know, I played with Paul. Paul's one of the greatest clutch shooters of all time. Paul wasn't necessarily putting up for, pulling up for three-pointers unless if he had to. Uh, but it's more of a mid-range. Look at Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard will definitely uh, shoot the three when you back off him. But he sells both, uh, you know, the mid-range and the three-pointer. But the three-pointer is more like, hey, you backed all the way off me. This is the shot that I'm going to take. This is the other uh, element when it comes to Giannis operating from above the arc, which is that means now you're relying on Wes Matthews and – uh, George Hill and Pat Connaughton and Kyle Korver to be cutting to the basket and trying to score at the rim. I, that's that's backward. I want Giannis playing below the free throw line, and I want those guys operating from the perimeter yep. and shooting threes, not back cutting and trying to finish at the rim, uh, because that's that's not their game. They're supposed to space the floor so that Giannis can operate in the middle of it, and. So, and for anybody out there, don't confuse me with any of those people that that said Giannis has to have a three-point shot because it's nice that he has one. I congratulate him that he's developed one, but that's not what's going to make, and I never said that was what would make the Milwaukee Bucks a championship team. I've been consistent in saying he's got to have a sweet spot in the pinch post, somewhere below the free throw line, where um, that, that mid-range ability to attack, because there's only so many times you can Euro-step to the rim before teams like the Toronto Raptors are going to find a game plan to force you into difficult situations. You have to be able to operate from the mid-range so that now you can get somebody else going to the rim or you're kicking it for a three, or you're going to just kill people with that mid-range all day long if they're going to uh, single cover you there. Uh, before we say goodbye i do uh, did you ever play with alec burks any place i didn't I, I just competed against them i i have to say and look the warriors are still not a very good team but those who thought that steve kerr couldn't coach and just had an array of talent look i know they still uh still the worst record in the western conference I'm not going to make too much of a three-game winning streak. But they've been competitive for the most part, night in and night out. Alec Burks is a player. He's a nice player. I like him. Oh, yeah. And Draymond Green is demonstrating that, you know what? He doesn't need to have superstar talent, and he can still be an effective player using his IQ to organize your defense run that point forward position up top. He's made uh, some very big threes. He still he's he still has that gamer mentality that we see show up in the big moments. And and Steve Kerr clearly has the capability of motivating and coaching lesser players to play above themselves cuz this is not a good roster. And if you're thinking there's one name Rick that you're not mentioning who's put up some numbers. Why are you not talking about D'Angelo Russell? Well, there's a reason. Mm. 
One, it's his contract. He's a max player. He should be getting numbers. Sure. And he's also one of those guys who he doesn't get anybody else numbers. I don't care what the assists are. He doesn't make the game easier for other guys. He's very clever with the ball. He'll play some pick and roll. But defensively, it's uh, it's painful to watch. And offensively, he again, it's it's in context. If he was getting paid $5 million a year, I'd be saying, you man, that was, that's a great find. If he's getting a max contract, I'm going, that's a good player on a bad team. I stunned you to silence. Are you? Do you no, have it? No, I mean, look, I was hoping that he had redeemed himself, uh, that he had become a different player um, since LA. That's how I felt about him in LA. Um, but maybe the you know the money had gotten to him, you know, and it seemed like in Brooklyn they were kind of the the hard hat team, you know, the yep. hard nosed guys, the you know. Guys that, you know, everybody was slept on and, you know, he things were working out, you know. So But here's I was the truth. Just hoping that, that had changed. Yeah. Brooklyn doesn't miss him. Mm. Brooklyn doesn't miss him. I found it very odd that they even were you know, obviously I get it for Kyrie, but they were just willing to let him go. I thought that was a, yeah. an odd move. I thought it spoke volumes. And and watching the games last year, there were so many fourth quarters where Atkinson sat him down. And even in some of these Warriors games, depending on where the score is, they'll bring him in, but he's not, for for the numbers that he gets, he's not, they don't play him like a main cog. And he's a good player. He's a clever player. Like, he's got some skill. He can shoot it, no doubt. But, man, if he's one of your best players... Just the the body language is horrible. The defense is is so just despondent. I mean, it just it's hard when you when you got all these other guys running around killing themselves. I it just oh it it's it's difficult to watch. Numbers well, numbers aside. Well, Byron Scott sat him on the bench, and everybody went crazy over that. Mm. And it was like. You know, I don't, I didn't. They're like, well, these guys are supposed to be developing. There's a reason that they're playing, and you know, you could almost say that was probably a strong reason why Byron had been fired. Yeah. But if you're not defending, I know B, you're not going to play, and that would have made D'Angelo much better by defending. But I don't know if the front office had taken uh, insult to it, but he deserved to be on the bench. He was, he's a good player, and it's not all about numbers. Well, you want to be a contract, max contract, obviously it's about numbers. But ultimately, that's not what it's, a, that's not what it's about, not if you want to be good, not if you, you care about winning. You care about yourself. That's, that's great. Have at it. Yeah, it's, it's just, uh, again, uh, I, I look at it in context of, I don't have anything against D'Angelo in and of himself. He's a nice player. But a max contract, and people will look at the numbers and say, "Oh, he's," I, and I hear it all the time, like he's balling out. He's and and I'm thinking, man, no, he's he's not. Like he doesn't make he 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 makes winning shots, 
He doesn't make win, winning plays. And if you really look at what he's given up at the other end, he's got to hit those shots, and he doesn't hit those shots consistently enough to to say that he's winning. So, but Steve Kerr, Draymond Green, Alec Burks, a lot of guys, even Glenn Robinson the the third. There's a number of guys that are, uh, and obviously Eric Pascal. Uh, there are guys that are are getting a second opportunity with the Warriors and they're trying to make the most of it. And my hat is, is off to them for sure. All right. That does it for this episode of Buker and Hollins. Uh, please rate and review the show wherever you get uh, your podcasts, iTunes or wherever. And then if you want us to do something for you, please uh, screenshot the review and send it to at Buker friends and you will be eligible to win some prizes in the next podcast we will be going uh buker friendless and there's a couple of things that a uh, couple of issues that i want to get into when it comes to the nba and where we are and the game that we're seeing and what needs to change and i'm hoping that the league is going to jump on it because it's there's something wrong with the game right now and i think it's being reflected in the ratings and i'm a big proponent of the NBA. Uh, I love the game. And so I don't want to see it uh, devolve as we are seeing it devolve. We'll get into all that next. And then maybe even get into, uh, we didn't get into your James Harden, your beef with Kendrick Perkins. We might have to have Perk on the show. Oh, he's definitely Because uh, take, take, take your Twitter beef with him and bring it on the show. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd I think we've got to make that happen. All right. Uh, in the meantime, as always, hope you all had a great holiday for Ryan and myself. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.